This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Carnival Spirit today on a seven-night cruise to Southeast Alaska from Seattle. But as always, staff writer Rich Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So we start with some good news. If you were kicking yourself for missing out on some of the world cruises that have been going on, well, it's not too late. That's right, because Holland America has just announced a four-month sailing, which will depart from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, starting in it's very the very beginning of January of 2026. The cruise will visit 47 ports in 39 countries over the span of 132 days. Um, Gus Antorcha, who's the president of Holland America Line, announced the news, and he basically told, announced it to passengers who are on board the line's current world cruise. Oh, what seemed kind of funny to me was that he told these people who, remember, they are currently on a world cruise. He told them that this new world cruise was, and I'm quoting, one of the most thoroughly researched routes they'd ever done. So apparently the route that was determined after speaking to like thousands of past guests and travel advisors and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly people want out of something like a four month cruise. And the, the reason I found that kind of odd was you're basically saying to people who are on a world cruise, yeah, sorry, the one in 2026 is going to be better. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, he said that the 2026 world cruise would visit fewer ports in order to give people more time to explore and to accommodate more overnight stays. They're going to they're going to do overnight stays. As of right now, they're scheduled to do overnight stays in nine different ports. So you can start saving now, but you can't actually book the trip yet as packages for this particular sailing won't go on sale until May. But once they do, we will let you know so that if you want to pony up the uh, money for this, I believe, isn't the current sailing, it's like 25 grand or something like that per person? Yeah, that's what it started at, like 24 nine or something. Yeah, call it 25, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah so it's it's not going to be cheap, but four months uh, on a... Uh, the, the ship they're actually doing it on is the Volendam, which is interesting in that it's an older ship. It's from... It, it uh, actually launched in 1999. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit older than... Well, quite a bit older than the newer ships, obviously. But that is the ship they will be doing this four-month world cruise on if you're interested. It's also a good ship to do a world cruise on because of the size and getting into more accessible places. Ah, that's true. It'll be more intimate. Uh, it'll be able to go to more ports because it's smaller and can fit into the smaller ports. I personally like the older ships. I think they, they as much as all the bells and whistles are on some of the newer ships, the older ships have sort of just that old world feeling that, um, and you really, especially on a four month cruise, you really will get to know not only your fellow cruisers, but the staff. And, you know, you're, you're going to become one big family by the end of those four months. Certainly so. Keeping the good news flowing with NCL, making some money. Definitely good news. As 2019, they are in the black. Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings announced that they made about $166 million in net revenue with a combined revenue of $8.5 billion. Now, th- these numbers are, you know, kind of impossible to comprehend. But what it basically means is that 
they are seeing a very big turnaround since the dark days of the shutdown. Uh, there were some interesting details in the quarterly report, such as the fact that unlike the past few quarters, when they've been sailing at like, you know, 110, 112% occupancy, they actually have fallen below 100%. They say that this is largely due to the canceled sailings um, that were scheduled to go, you know, into areas that are now dealing with the Middle East conflict. Um, they're also putting some major cost-cutting measures into effect, including where fuel costs are concerned. Uh, better still, from their perspective, there's no reason to think, um, when they look at the long-term prospectus, that they won't continue on this particular trajectory, which you know means making more money in the next quarter. Um, of course, that means cruisers aren't likely to find bargains on Norwegian anytime soon. From a personal perspective, as someone who talks to a lot of cruisers, you know, not just from Norwegian, from all different lines, um, we've definitely noticed an uptick in people complaining about what they perceive as staffing cutbacks, which are impacting the quality of the cruises. And I think that's something that that NCL should definitely like keep an ear open for, keep an eye out on, you know, look at what people are saying about the experience they're having, because you can be making money. But if you start having issues with, you know, bad word of mouth, that can turn on you really quickly. Um, you know, it's the same thing that we talked a little bit about this before, that Disney has had a little bit of a problem with this in that a lot of people who are longtime Disney fans have sort of soured somewhat because of some of the cutbacks they've made and the definitely the price increases. And you don't necessarily notice well, because you've still got the first timers coming in with Disney, you've got those people who are first timers and they don't really know what they're missing. But if you start seeing, you know, it's sort of a reverse funnel. And if you start seeing people come out the other side saying, you know what, I'm going to look at another cruise line or I'm going to look at another type of vacation because I don't feel like, you know, I got the service or the entertainment or whatever that I'm expecting. It'll eventually on your bottom line. Um, so I would definitely, if I was them, I would, you know, keep a close eye on what people are saying about the actual experience. Yeah, I was talking to a colleague on Saturday about the, just what you were talking about, and people kind of saying, hey, I, I went on this cruise, it was our first cruise back since the shutdown, and wow, things have changed. And I'm not, not talking about protocols, but talking about the food quality, the service, the price increases, things like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was surprised when I did Norwegian Viva, I guess it was, um, I was shocked by how many things came with an additional fee. I mean, it was the first time I've ever set foot on a golf, on a on a ship where mini golf came with a ten dollar fee. Now, granted, it's an elaborate mini golf with like you know bells and whistles and all kinds of things, but still, for a family of four to play, it's like forty bucks to play miniature golf. Which you know, and it wasn't just that. Just there's a lot of things on the ship that were previously free that you are now paying a fee for. And like I said, first timers don't necessarily know that, you know, that that used to be free. But the more you see uh, long-term cruisers, people who've been around for a while saying, yeah, this bothers me and walking away, that's problematic in the long run. Well, moving on here, we saw a ship altering its course in order to avoid space debris. 
when I first heard about this, I couldn't help but craft a disaster movie in my mind. I mean, I'm a huge fan of disaster movies. So the idea of a cruise ship being hit by space debris, it sounded like some kind of movie I would fire up on a Friday night. But we're talking the real world. And in the real world, um, various groups of scientists and cruise line personnel, they all worked together to make sure that my dream movie scenario did not take place in real life. So in this case, it was the Island Princess, which received the warning about a week ago that debris from a decommissioned satellite might be falling into an area that the ship was basically planning to travel through. Um, you know, when we shoot satellites up into space, a lot of times they deteriorate and, well, you know the old saying, what goes up must come down. So this satellite was going to come down and they warned Princess Cruises that it might be in the, you know, in the path of this ship. So the Island Princess, having been given plenty of notice, was able to alter their course and avoid even the potential of there being any problem. Everything worked out fine. The satellite broke into smaller pieces on re-entry and fell into the ocean without any reports of damage being done. The day before the um uh when the when the captain sort of told people, yeah, we're gonna alter our course a little bit, he said that at, at this point, the only damage or the only thing they really had to even think about was that they might be able to see a good light show, you know, as all the various pieces were re-entering, but they weren't in any way, shape, or form in the path of danger. So good job to the captain. There's some really cool footage that, uh, well, I have it uh, embedded in the article on the site that we did on this story. So it's the size of a school bus, and on re-entry, of course, it's just pistol red hot. It's just wild watching the, I think they put a gift together. The European uh, space agency did. It's, it's really cool. If you're, uh, if you want to see what that looks like, check it out at uh, cruiseradio.net. Yeah, it really did look super cool. And it looks like yet another inaugural sailing has been canceled. Not only the inaugural sailing, but the one that comes directly after it. This is, we're talking about Royal Caribbean's upcoming star of the seas. Um, the first sailing was supposed to take place on August 17th of 2025, but now they're saying that due to delays at the shipyard, the date's being moved back two weeks. So the inaugural sailing and the one that was coming after it are both being, um, canceled. Booked passengers are being given, you know, a couple of options. They can get a full refund or they can rebook in the same basic stateroom on the new sail date, or they can transfer um sailings on other ships i think it's icon and wonder one is sailing the day before and one is sailing the day after the date that this was originally supposed to take place now i mean people who have booked an inaugural sailing this far in advance they ain't looking to sail on a different ship i can't imagine them saying you know oh well all right i meant i you know i booked this two years in advance so that i could go on this ship for the first time but i'll go on wonder of the seas instead i just i just you know, I understand why they make that offer, but I just don't imagine too many people taking them up on that. Uh, you know, they're specifically wanting to sail on this new ship. Anyway, what's weird to me is that the Star of the Seas isn't launching until, as we mentioned, fall of 2025. It's now spring of 2024. Like, can they not find a way to make up those two weeks somehow between now and then? I mean... I guess it's good that people are getting plenty of advance notice where the cancellation is concerned, but it just seems, I don't know, premature, you know, like, like you've got a year and a half to make up this two week difference. It certainly would make me think twice 
before booking an inaugural. You know, I, I think at this stage, if you're going to book an inaugural sailing, you almost have to be go into it prepared to either shift that sailing or to know that it's going to be canceled because it's happening quite a bit lately. And finally, Carnival Jubilee is officially christened and named. Well, she was named like two years ago, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Galveston was rocking out as the ship's godmother, Gwen Stefani, put on a heck of a show. And, you know, before that, she got the kind of tour that only an A-lister gets. I mean, she even got to blow the ship's horn during a visit to the bridge. I don't know about you, but I have always wanted to do that. And believe it or not, they just won't. <laughs> they should do a special tour that they charge like $300 for. They would make so much money of people going up to the bridge and blowing the horn. But anyway, Gwen got to do that for free. She also had to do some work. You know, you don't just bring her in for the song. You got to have her cut some red ribbons during the uh, uh, ceremonies for some of the venues on board. One of the reasons Carnival chose Gwen to be the godmother of the ship was because she's um, given a lot to various children's charities. And of course, where Carnival's concerned, Carnival raises a lot of money for St. Jude Children's Hospital every year, especially with their Groove for St. Jude deck parties. So, you know, it, it they, they did all the things that you do at these events. They had the local dignitaries there and they had, uh, you know, lots of photo ops and, and it sounds like it was a pretty good time. I, uh, I, I can't, I, I have to admit, I'm sad that I wasn't there. I am kind of a Gwen Stefani fan and I think it would have been, um, you know, I remember when we went to uh, one of the christenings, I want to say Sunrise and Carrie Underwood was performing and uh, it was amazing because it's a very intimate venue. You know, there's, it's it's not like going to see them in a mega stadium. They are right there. So I really very much would have enjoyed getting the opportunity to uh, be there for this. Gwen did the whole ceremony. She lassoed the lever, pulled it, the bottle busted, and she left the stage for about 10 minutes. Quick costume change type thing, and then uh, did four songs, and then uh, wrapped it up. I know that you are more a fan of her husband, Blake Shelton, but so what did you think of her show? It was actually really solid, man. Brought me back to the No Doubt days, for sure, in high school rocking out to them. In fact, no backing track, just her voice. She was killing it. Wow. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you were able to be there and experience that. And I will just pretend that I was there. In fact, during the show, uh, Ashley and I were talking back and forth about, do you think this is her touring band or house musicians here on the ship? And we really didn't know. And then I got to the Houston airport to fly over to Vegas because I was going to run that race. And they were behind me in the security checkpoint line. So I was like, are we all just on Carnival Jubilee? And they said, yeah. I'm like, are you her touring band or what? They're like, no, we're, we do one-offs and private events. We're actually studio mu uh, musicians. So I thought that was really cool. Wow. Cruise Radio fans, you got the exclusive behind-the-scenes scoop right here from none other than Doug Parker. And shameless plug here because we have like a lot of photos if you're on the Patreon, patreon.com slash cruise radio. Um, I put a bunch of photos up at the concert and stuff like that on there as well. So uh, check that out if you're on the Patreon. And if you're not, you should be. Uh, I don't want to pander here, so we're going to wrap it up. Staff writer Richard <laughs> Sims, <laughs> as always, thank you. As always, happy to pander. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer, if you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. The world is constantly changing. Your place for news is still the same. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. Will and his family took a seven-night Alaska cruise from Seattle on Carnival Spirit last year, and Will joins us on the line. How you doing, my friend? Good, man. Good to talk to you here and excited to hear about your review of Carnival Spirit. I actually, when the ship first went back into service following the shutdown, so we're talking about April of 2022 i sailed it out of jacksonville on one of the first sailings as it resumed service after they pulled it from australia haven't made it up to alaska on carnival spirit yet or actually i don't think any carnival cruise line ship so excited to hear about your experience and what you thought of carnival up there in southeast alaska but before we get there let's take a step back give me some pre-cruise thoughts what, what made you want to sail this seven night in alaska this was supposed to be an eastern caribbean cruise on carnival celebration but due to a moving to another state we decided to do alaska and the instead of switching from cruise line to cruise line we switched to carnival spirit and did a seven-day cruise from seattle doing a pretty fun excursions and catch can stuff very cool so you're up in the wyoming area and you make your way over to seattle did you do any pre-cruise time before you sailed we spent Half a day in Seattle because we didn't get into Seattle till noon on Monday mm-hmm. because the ship left on a Tuesday. So we, we spent half a day on that Monday and yep. got on the ship that Tuesday. Very good. And you go to board Carnival Spirit there in Seattle. How was the embarkation process for you and how long would you say it took you to get from the curb onto the ship? It was very easy. The fastest time I've we've ever done on an embarkation day. By the time we parked the car and got on the ship, it was probably about five minutes. Okay. Yeah, wow, was, that's we, that's that's uh that's super we, fast. We never stopped. It's just we just we got in the building right from curb to ship. It was like five minutes. Wow. Very nice there. And uh, did you have anything like like platinum status where you can get in get on faster, or did you purchase faster to the fun at all? No, this is my second time. Well, my mom and I, are, this is our second time um, cruising with Carnival. And mm. Dad and my two sisters, this was their first time cruising with Carnival. Gotcha. So none of us had, you know, Diamond or anything like that with Carnival yet. Gotcha. What uh, What other Carnival ship did you cruise? Carnival Magic. So you step on board Carnival Spirit, of course, a Spirit class ship. What were your first impressions walking on board? Well, as we... Stepped onto the ship, we got directed to the muster station. So we couldn't really quite look around, you know, right when we got on the ship until we got our muster station finished. But overall, that was actually, the atrium was very pretty. Mm-hmm. It was, it kind of reminded me of Carnival Magic, but, you know, a smaller ship. 
Yeah. But it was very, very pretty, and I liked it. I want to go back on another Spirit class ship again, actually. Let's talk about the the stateroom you had on this seven night cruise. So, what kind of stateroom did y'all book, and what did you think of it throughout the seven nights? So, we had booked two interior cabins. So, we had booked one for my parents and one for me and my two sisters. Mm-hmm. And we had two of them right next to each other. I was kind of hoping to get connecting rooms, but that they had none available at the time. So, but I was able to get two rooms next to each other. But the rooms were actually very spacious, especially for three people in one room. Mm-hmm. We never had an issue with storage. We were all able to, you know, put our clothes in the cabinets and stuff like that. Even we were even able to put the uh, our luggage in the storage very well, and not having to put them underneath the uh, beds. So the rooms were actually very spacious for what we needed to do. What deck were y'all on? Having two sisters. We were on deck. One midship. Gotcha. Yeah, I I used to cruise with my sister, and I know that I, I can only imagine cruising with two sisters because mine uh, brought a, brought brought the whole trunk with her when when she would sail. So yeah, I'm surprised you had a, all that extra room left over with two of them and yourself. Yep. Where your room was located on deck one, did you have any noise issues either like uh, to either side or top or bottom? The only noise I heard in side to side, we were fine. You know, side to side or even across the hall, we were fine. The only noise that I heard from above was somebody scraping a chair against the uh, against the floor. Because basically, we were right underneath the atrium area. Gotcha. We were midship. Mm-hmm. So that's the only that's the only thing I had to complain about the room was or location of the room was here just hearing the noise above us. But other than that, we had no issues with noise. But although I'm a hard sleeper anyway, so right. <laughs> I I. It, it, you would have to do something really hard above me to to wake me up. Gotcha. Let's talk about the dining on this seven night cruise. We'll start at the uh, the buffet area, the Lido deck. How was the food through there, and also those outside venues like the Guys Burger and Blue Iguana? So let's start at the uh, main dining room. So we had our time dining or like any time dining that we Carnival does it. So the first night we got there, we. We reserved our table through the app, and we got there, and we got the waiters, and they put us right next to the. Uh, it was a two-story restaurant, so we had we were on the top, top, yeah, we were on the top floor, and we uh, it took us forever to just to get our food and even our drinks. So we were like, okay, maybe we need to ask for different waiters or move to a different table. So the next night, we asked for a different table. And we actually got put all the way in the back out a window and with three other waiters. The main waiter was Rob, and she was awesome. We actually requested her every single week. I mean, not week, I'm sorry, every night. Mm-hmm. And th- her crew was awesome. We never had to wait for food. We never had to wait for water. I mean, every time we had water that was low, they were there to fill it up. And they even, even before we even got to the table, they had our table right and steady and ready to go and had water set for us and so they were they were fantastic on that part the food in the dining room we had nothing to complain about the food 
although I had seafood every night. You spoke very highly of your your server and the whole service team there. Was the food, did it come out pretty fast? Like when you sat down, was it a, was it a fairly quick dining experience or did you notice like any kind of lagging happening? Oh, we it was pretty fast. We were, we were in and out probably in about 30 to 45 minutes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a... It was, it was pretty fast. Yeah, that's that's pretty fast there. Very good. The only day that we took our time was when my on my parents' anniversary because I hadn't planned, I hadn't planned a kind of like a like a singing kind of thing for their my parents' anniversary. Mm-hmm. So that's the only time we took our time was on their anniversary. But the other nights were pretty fast. Did y'all do the steakhouse at all? We did not. I was thinking about it, but we just never had the chance to go around and do that. Gotcha. And how about the upstairs on the, or yeah, upstairs on that ship, the Lido deck area? How was that? We did the buffet for breakfast every morning. My dad always went to the get omelet because he loves his omelets every morning. But the Lido deck was, uh, especially for the buffet, it was, it was all right. It was, it got a little bit busy later in the uh, morning, you know, probably like you know, eight, nine o'clock. But the lines were, they were known to move pretty fast. So mm-hmm. you weren't, you didn't have to worry about waiting in a line to get something. But if you, as long as you got there early enough, you'd be fine. But, you know, probably around eight, nine o'clock, we're around the time where people will start waking up. It's going to get busy. But I did also eat at Blue, Blue Iguana Cantina for breakfast a couple of times. That was also a nice thing about you can either go to the main dining room for breakfast or the marketplace or I just said it, Blue Iguana Cantina for breakfast. Gotcha. So it's always nice to have those three different options to have breakfast or even lunch or dinner. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Guy's Burger joint and the pizza on board, how was that? Guy's Burger, man, I, I can't say nothing bad about it. it was, mm. My mom and I, when we went on a Carnival Magic, we we both fell in love with Guy's Burger joint. We we loved it once we started, uh, once we tasted the first burger on Carnival Magic. And once we heard, once we knew we were going Carnival Spirit and we saw that it was going to have Guy's Burger, we both looked at each other, yeah, finally. But my other sister, she... I, he had a burger from Guy's Burger for lunch every single day. <laughs> I mean, he loved their burger so much that he had it every single day for lunch. <laughs> so. Certainly. Any long pizza lines you noticed, like at nighttime or any time during the day? No. The only time we got pizza was when my dad and I, after dinner, maybe like an hour or two, maybe three hours after dinner, my dad and I would go up to the uh, Lido. Because it's not outside where uh, Carvel Magic is, you know. Mm. On Carnival Magic, it's all the way outside on the back of the ship on the same deck as Lido. But this time on Carnival Spirit, it's on the inside where Lido Marketplace is. I was worried it's going to be having a long line, you know, since the inside. But we didn't have to worry about a long line. We didn't have to worry about waiting for a pizza. We were able to get up there and get a couple of slices of pizza and, and eat. So that's we did that like uh, two or three times, maybe. Nice. So, but the pizza was, the pizza is actually pretty good. I like the pizza. Yeah, it's solid. How, how about the entertainment on this seven night cruise? What did y'all think of it? And not just the shows in the theater, but maybe like either like, like the karaoke, the comedy club, things like that. I went to one show, I think it was the first or second night. I can't quite remember if it was the second night or first night. But I did, I, I went to one show and it was actually pretty good. It was actually better than Carnival Magic. I hate to say it, but it was, better than Carnival Magic shows on, on that ship. But it was actually pretty good. I did go to a couple of comedy, comedy uh, shows, and there was, man, this guy named 
think his name was John. And man, he was funny. He had the whole entire crowd laughing, just dying laughing. And they had two comedians. And one, the other comedian had like the Muppet dude thing. And he was telling jokes and stuff. And he was funny, but just not as funny as the other guy. I mean, the other guy was just, he he, he was funny. And they, the funny thing is that they were putting him in a theater, not the, uh, what is it called, the Punchline? Mm-hmm. Punchline Comedy Club or something like that. But also, I think it's probably because since it was a smaller room, that they didn't have, not gonna have enough for people, enough room for people to go to the show. So they probably put in the theater. That's probably why. But he was funny. He, I liked, I love going to the comedian shows. They're pretty funny. We did go to the piano bar a couple of times, and he was pretty good. But we didn't do any of the karaoke stuff like that. We just did comedy and the piano bar, and and the rest of the family went to a couple more shows throughout the. Uh, cruise but i decided not to go at a couple of shows if well I, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later in the podcast but the shows were pretty good what i was heard from the rest of my family as is you know week going on let's talk about the sea days on this seven night cruise how was the ship as far as crowds and congestion so we had a sea day the day after seattle and then we had i guess you can say day and a half because we left Ketchikan at one o'clock in the afternoon and the rest of the day sea day and then a basically all day sea day after Ketchikan and then we arrived in Victoria at eight o'clock that night. So I guess you could say we had basically two sea days. During the sea days I didn't see anywhere that was very crowded, especially on the Lido deck. I was expecting a lot of people because it was very sunny on the the sea day after Seattle, I was expecting a lot of people being out and about, but it wasn't as crowded as I thought it was going to be because it was, since it was going to be a smaller ship, I was expecting to be a lot, you know, very crowded. But this ship actually handed very well. It, it didn't seem full. I mean, it seemed full, but just not full enough where it was going to be packed everywhere. Yeah. So it it handed out it handled the the sea days pretty well. So that's um, I mean, tons of activities going on every day. So right, which was which helped with a lot of you know with everybody going to different activities. So it didn't act like it was going to be very packed in one area. That's one thing I've noticed though about those spirit class ships is that it's hard to even tell if it's if it's full or not because there is the width of the ship being spread out there is so much i guess space to passenger ratio on there yeah and the one thing i liked about you know the the carnival ships is that especially carnival magic I and mean, i went went down the southern caribbean carnival magic and in, in in late february march of 2022 and we never had a, a single issues with even on that ship we never had a single issue of days being packed on even on that ship either hmm. you know being you know with magic being bigger than spirit i would just, i would have figured that spirit would have a lot more congestion areas you know especially in the on the lido or atrium or you know at the bars we never had a single issue with that stuff it's hmm. good to hear it was nice yeah so Let's talk about your ports of call on this seven night cruise. And what we'll do here is give us the port of call, give us a highlight, and then we'll move to the next one. Okay. So it was, we did cruise Tracy on Fjord. We did that one on the first, it was the first kind of, I don't know. It wasn't really a stop. 
but that was pretty cool. We got to see the glaciers. The ship is usually can go all the way up to the glaciers, but there was so much ice in that area that the ship couldn't go all the way up to it. So we just basically looked from a distance and basically turned around and went back. But, you know, we still could see the glaciers from where we, where we were at, which was pretty cool. But it also got really chilly, even at the point where Carnival came out and gave us warm blankets. And so, which was nice, which was a very nice touch. First stop was Skagway. So we got off Skagway, and we didn't have any excursions booked for Skagway or even Juno. Skagway just walked around, shopped around, and looked around on the area and bought a couple of stuff. And I got back on my, my sister and I got back on the ship while my parents and my other sister looked around a little more. Then we left Skagway like don't remember what time we left but then uh, the next one was Juno. we got to Juno, and there was a couple more there was actually a couple of ships there was a princess ship and then a smaller one i can't remember the name on top of my head right now later on carnival luminosa showed up around the time that we were leaving in Juno, we looked around and then my dad and i decided to book an excursion to whale watching excursion in Juno. So we went whale watched for a while and got to see a lot of whales. That was pretty fun. That was pretty cool. The the tour guide was very knowledgeable. I mean, he knew a lot of stuff. I was I was blown away what he was the information that he was telling us about the whales, the area where where you can specifically see the whales and how they hibernate and stuff like that. And it was, it was he was very knowledgeable. I would actually go on that excursion again if I went back to Juneau. So as we were leaving Juno, my parents and my two other sisters went to a show, and I told them, God, I'm just not going to go to a show. I'm going to walk around and look around and stuff like that. And then, like, I think 10 minutes later, after they had gone to the show, the cruise director goes over the surround sound and says, we got whales around the ship. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going out. And I, no joke, the ship was surrounded by humpback whales everywhere. Wow. And I'm like, holy smokes, i never seen this many humpback whales in my life. I saw a lot on the excursion Juno, but this was a whole lot more than we saw in, on the excursion. I mean, it was just surrounded by humpback whales for, I don't know, three to four or five miles. And I was like, this is awesome. So they get out of the show about, I don't know, about an hour later. And they were like, so what'd you do? I was like, man, I went outside and watched humpback whales everywhere. And my mom was so mad because she hasn't seen one yet at a time. And uh, she's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, if you, you wanted to go to the show. It's not my fault you wanted to go to the show. I stayed out and watched Humpback Whale. Then got off, got to Catch Can. We showed up at Catch Can, got off the ship at 7 o'clock. Well, I guess we right before 7 because our excursion started at 7. And we, we had booked an excursion to a carnival. We did halibut fishing in the Catch Can. Mm-hmm. And so the ship left at 1 o'clock. And the excursion was from 7 to 12. I'm like, oh, we're going to be cutting it short. I'm very close. And so we got to the excursion area, and it, thankfully it wasn't too far. It was literally right there off the ship. We got to the boat. We got on the boat. Then we were going out. It was so foggy, so we are all allowed to have one each of halibut. And I think my sister, one of my sisters caught the first one. Then it was my mom. Then my dad. Then me and then my other sister. So 
all of them had their fishing rods in the fishing rod holder on the boat. So they, all they had to do was just basically just reel it up and didn't have to didn't have to hold it and have to fight it. Where I had to hold the fishing pole, and I actually had to fight the sucker to get it on the boat. Since we still had time, he knew a spot to catch yellow tip sea bass, and we went to that spot. And no joke, we caught twenty seven yellow tip sea bass in five minutes. Wow. <laughs> we were we my sister and I both were using fishing poles with a double hook setup while my other sister and my parents were using a single hook setup. And I'm he was run the, the cat was running around the boat in the area just knocking out the fish off the rods as we were up bringing them in. I mean we couldn't even low we wouldn't lower them down but probably about a foot of water without getting another one hooked up already. So but once we thought once we looked at the time like, oh we gotta get back. So we uh we booked it back to the cruise port and uh we got right back on the cruise port right at twelve o'clock. And uh we looked around for like around for like thirty minutes and mom my mom wanted to go back to the room and I was like, No, you're not. Mm-hmm. I said, No, you're gonna stay with me because I had I had the ship decorate the room for the anniversary. How does it work with the with the fish? Are you allowed to bring the fish back on board once they clean them and package them up for you? We actually had them shipped from Ketchikan to our house. Okay. And they only charged us three hundred and twenty five dollars to have them shipped from the Alaska to our house. So it wasn't actually too bad. I thought it was gonna be more expensive than that, but it wasn't actually too bad as I thought. Right. Yeah, that's not so, bad at all. No, no. But the 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 price for the the excursion was almost three thousand dollars for five people to fish, but that was definitely worth our money. Yeah, to the fishing trip. No, I'd say you had to. So, you had a hell of a day out there. So, was that your final port of call, or did you have another one? We had it was so it was Skagway, Juno, Ketchikan, and Victoria. Okay. So we we left. Catch a can at one o'clock, and yet again after dinner they went to another show. Oh, and when we were on that excursion, we got to see a humpback whale. Oh, cool! And this time my mom got to see it. This time, nice. <laughs> but she didn't get to see it to jump out of the water. The only the captain and I got to see it to jump out of the water and make that big old splash and that big old cannon boom noise feel. Mm-hmm. That was pretty. That was pretty cool. But anyways. We were, as we were sailing out of Ketchikan, yet again, the ship was surrounded by humpback whales. So this whole trip was, we were, we got to see a lot of humpback whales, this whole entire trip. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. Y'all were so, the, the lucky ones. Not Some people will say that have been on the show over the years. I, I went to Alaska, never saw one whale. It sounds like you've seen, <laughs> you've made up that difference for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I couldn't count how many whales I saw the whole week i can't even count because you see like one batch you see like maybe like four or five in a row and then you know, like like 10 yards behind them you see like maybe six more right. I, there was tons of them so it was a lot so then after catch a can it was victoria but we didn't we didn't get into victoria till about eight o'clock at night mm-hmm. and we were going to leave victoria at 12 in the morning now like I'm not going to bother getting off the ship. We had dinner, and that's the night that crew had sang a song to my parents for you know for their anniversary. And uh, I had all that planned out even before the cruise started. So I had talked to my travel agent with Carnival, and 
told them what I wanted to do and what I wanted to have them to do, which they did. I, I you know, I kept talking to the major D and, you know, I said, Hey, you know, are we, are we still good? And, and since my dad was being diabetic and stuff, mm-hmm. I also made sure that the cake that they brought out was kind of like sugar free. So which they did, they, they made sure it was sugar free and uh, they actually liked the cakes. Awesome. So, you get back to uh, Seattle there. How was your debark process? It was actually pretty nice. So when we had left Seattle, we had parked the truck at a different parking area, but just not too far from the port. So I ended up leaving. We, our, our, we weren't supposed to get off the ship till like 8, 8.30, maybe 9 o'clock. I think somewhere in that ballpark. But my, you know, my rest of my family stayed on the ship until it was time for their time to be called. But I ended up leaving early to go get the truck. And so by the time I got back to be off the ship by now. Gotcha. So I had, I went out and got the truck, came back. By the time I got back, they were, even before I even got to the port, they called me and said, all right, we're out here and we're out, you know. To them, I think it took about uh, five, ten minutes just to get off the ship and pretty fast. Yeah, like, not bad. Forever. I, I may have missed this at the at the front of the interview. Did you, you said you drove out there? Yeah, we we drove from Gillette, Wyoming to Seattle. That's like what a, so, almost what twenty hour drive, seventeen, eighteen hours. Yeah, about. We took our time. We didn't rush it, you know, since we were taking two and a half days to get out there. Looking back on this cruise, do you have any first time tips to offer anyone either sailing Carnival Spirit or sailing Alaska for the first time? I would look at the excursion, mm-hmm. especially. If you can get a chance to go fishing or even go whale watching, I think it was actually cheaper to go whale watching on land, you know, buying it on land than it was through the cruise line. Because we, my dad and I paid just like $300 for two of us, where compared to it was going to be $200 per person going to the cruise line. Yeah. So, but some, it could be the opposite. It could be the opposite where the cruising could be cheaper than the online, the online, on-land excursions. So my suggestion is just, you know, just look at the excursions. If you think it's expensive, just maybe just wait until you get to the port and see how much they, they will charge. Trying to get early to the cruise port as you can. We, got, we hit a couple of, tra- a little bit of traffic in Seattle, but other than that, it wasn't too bad. Although it was only one ship in port, it was only our ship in port mm-hmm. that day. So I can't say if, you know, if there was like two ships at that one port, then it probably would have been a different story. I, I would also add, just add to that is that, you know, you look at Carnival Spirit and it was launched in what, I think like 2001. And you're thinking, oh, well, that's an old ship. That's 23 years old at this point. But it's actually, if you don't need to be geared up and doing something nonstop 24 hours a day. And also the fact that you're in Alaska, you typically do have either longer port days or excursions that can make you a little tired at the end of the day. So these Spirit class ships are definitely good ships to consider if you're looking at going to uh, to Alaska. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially going to the cruise in the Trishion Fjord is, you know, we I sat on top of the bridge the whole time for like, I don't know how long, five hours maybe. And the closer that we got, the more packed it got on top of the bridge. I would suggest people to get out there as soon as, you know, early as they can to save a good spot. Yeah. To go when, you, when you're going to the fjords. Because yeah. it's definitely got, once we got closer to the uh, glaciers, it got really packed. 
For sure, yeah, I can I can see that. At first, you think you have the whole the whole deck by yourself to yourself, rather, and then as you get closer, more people start filtering in. Yeah, looking back here, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? The two, I got basically two highlights. You know, spending time with my family. You know, be able to cruise and actually spending yeah, my parents' anniversary on the cruise. That was that was pretty cool, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it. The, the most highlight was the fishing and catch a can i would do that in a heartbeat absolutely so those were the most highlights of my of my time on the cruise well in closing here your final thoughts oh actually you know what i didn't ask you a couple of questions let me back up here as far as the casino if you happen to walk through it at all how was it as far as the cigarette smoke situation in or that promenade around it i think there was non-smoking on the left hand side on the port side and there were, but they were smoking on the uh, starboard side. But once you were walking in another area from, I think, from the uh, the game room, what is, the arcade room, you can definitely smell the smoke, the cigarette smoke in that area. But once you were on the other side of the casino, you really didn't smell it at all very often. So they, they handled it very well. Well, in closing here, your final thoughts of Carnival Spirit. Oh, I love that ship. It wasn't too small, but it wasn't too big. It was just, you know, that basically that right there, that sweet spot. I would definitely cruise on it again. I, on that ship, or I guess all the spirit class ships. I really like that, that deck. I believe it's on deck three, the kind of the promenade that goes, I think they call it the jungle room on that ship where it kind of hugs oh. the, the theater, right A- around the front yeah. of the theater. Yeah. But it's inside. Yeah. Perfect. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool little space. Well, very good. We've been talking with Will about his seven-night cruise on Carnival Spirit out of uh, Seattle to Southeast Alaska. Will, thank you so much for touching base and sharing this review with us, man. I sure appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.